Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Father, we come before you so thankful that you rose from the dead. We are grateful that we can say, you are risen indeed. There is no God like you. There is no one like you. For you conquered death on this day so many years ago. And today we celebrate by shouting, hallelujah, hallelujah, you are risen, you are risen indeed. Let the church say, amen. Good morning. You made it. We were looking at these seats yesterday and I had them pray over them wondering who's going to wake up at five in the morning to get here. But you did it. Give yourself a hand clap this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Mark chapter 16 with me? Mark chapter 16. As we celebrate this great resurrection day. Mark chapter 16, verse 9, when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene. When he rose. Let me let you know something. Though the world may doubt, though the world may question, according to heaven, there is no question from heaven's perspective, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Let the church say, Amen. When he rose, the Apostle Paul said, Let God be true and every man a liar. And though the disciples couldn't grasp it, though the women were walking towards uh, what they thought was a dead body, but yet they were dead wrong, and though the enemy counted one, two, three, all of heaven said three, Two, one, he's alive. Amen? Amen? You see, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 that the cross made a public spectacle of the enemy. He triumphed over the enemy. It's the most powerful event in all of human history, in all of the world, that Jesus conquered death. It's the basis of our faith if you believe in Jesus Christ. In fact, Paul said if there was no resurrection, we're to be pitied beyond any other human being for believing something that was not true. But it is. Because the resurrection reveals that Jesus is the Messiah. Over 400 years prior to the event, the the prophet Isaiah would write that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. In other words, he had to die when you make his soul an offering for sin. But he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. In other words, he shall see the church emerge and he lives forevermore because he rose from the dead. The resurrection proves the power of God. The Apostle Paul said that in Romans chapter 1 verse 4 that it declared him to be the Son of God with power because of the resurrection. 
And can I tell you what the resurrection's done for me? And what the resurrection has done for millions of Christians around the world, it allows me to walk in the power of the newness of life. I do not have to be who I was. I can change because of the power of the resurrection. How many of you have changed? Raise your hand. Now look at all those hands for those who don't believe. We can't all be wrong. Jesus Christ has changed our lives. And Jesus Christ, he can change your life. In fact, one commentator wrote the coming of Jesus Christ was the climax of the series of redemptive events. And his resurrection is the event that validates all that came before. And Jesus Christ, what I love about him is that he rose early. Now, I don't know about you. Some of us are not morning people. The reason why we're letting you know about our coffee shop is just to put a smile on your face. Because we know that if you don't have the Joe in the morning, there could be a problem. But Jesus is a morning person. He couldn't wait to hop out of that stony bed and provide redemption for all of us. It was the reason for which he came. It wasn't that that bed was uncomfortable. It didn't belong to him. It belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. He belongs in heaven. Hallelujah and amen. Jesus Christ is risen. And the Bible says that he appeared to Mary. Mary, look at the, what the word says there in verse 9, out of whom he cast out seven demons. I love this. I love that he appeared to Mary first because it's such a display of the great grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for sinners like Mary. And he died for a sinner like me. And he died for a sinner like you. It didn't, marry, it didn't matter what Mary had done. It mattered what Jesus had done. That he died on a cross for Mary and he died on a cross for you. But he didn't stay there. He leaped up out of that stony bed early in the morning. And take a look at what Mary does. She went, verse 10, and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. You see, when you come in contact with the resurrected Jesus, she does what every believer should do. She witnessed of the resurrection to the disciples. This is our calling. This is our responsibility. It's what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall be. This is not a choice. It's a direction. It's a command. You shall be my witness. The church cannot be silenced. The church will not be canceled. The church is unashamed. We are no longer timid. We are witnesses today of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the spirit of the living God testifying in and through us. And people are going to see that testimony as they see your changed life. As they see you watching watching you love your wife and love your husband and love your children. They're going to see the power of the testimony that though you were walking in darkness and doing drugs and living a life that was apart from God, 
God. Now you're living with God, shouting hallelujah. The friend that's here with you today is looking at you, raising your hands, going, what has happened to this person? Let me let you know, the power of the resurrection is flowing through them. But I want you to see the perspective, the world. Verse 10, she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. Some of us are embarrassed or maybe even ashamed to communicate the resurrection to a workmate or a friend. But we need to see the world as the Bible gives this picture of those that were mourning and weeping. You see, if I see someone crying, I don't simply walk by them and go, oh, you're on your own, bub. No, I was in New York City. My wife and I were in New York City. We were in a Starbucks. This woman walks in and she's weeping. And you say, you know what me and my wife did? We looked at her and we said, you probably deserve to cry. And we walked right out of Starbucks. There's no way we did that. When you see a human being in tears, we walked right up to her. And if you know my wife, she just, we don't even know this person in New York City. She puts her arm around and I I grabbed her hands and I said, what's wrong? She's about 65 years old. I've lost my family. Well, my wife begins to speak to her and I begin to pray. And lo and behold, in New York City, her family comes walking into the Starbucks. So my wife... She looks at her and goes, that's Jesus. I just want to let you know, if you don't believe, you need to believe now. But when you see someone in tears, you don't just walk by them. You comfort them. And if we would see the world the way the Bible presents those who were mourning and weeping, then we would be bold to tell our friends and to give them a hug. There's hope for you. You don't have to cry any longer. You don't have to long for the things of this world any longer. You don't have to feel empty. You can be born again. The problem is, verse 11... And when they heard that he was alive, listen, the Bible has no problem with the resurrection. When they heard he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. I believe this is what discourages us. This is why we stop witnessing the power of the resurrection. Because we have told person after person after person and many people have not believed. Our job is to go and to tell. It's not to make people believe. That's God's job. God will lead them to salvation. We've got to fulfill our responsibility. The Apostle Paul said, how can they know unless we tell? We've got to trust God to continue to seek and to save the lost. You don't know if you're the third person on the line of five people that they will hear in one day that they will get the gospel and on number five, they drop to their knees and say, I finally believe. You see, they didn't believe. We've got to be responsible to tell, and we've got to trust God to do the rest. But let me tell you something about Jesus. He don't give up. The Lord. How many of you, the G, the Jesus gave up on you? Anyone? 
Jesus has not given up on anyone. He never gives up on anyone. That's the heart of Jesus. He's always going to be faithful to leave the 99 to go and get the one. Take a look at verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. You got two guys. They're just as upset and depressed and despondent. They're in despair after following this man who's dead now, who they believe, who died three days earlier on a cross. They've left the upper room and they're on the road to Emmaus. They're sad. They're depressed. They are left in wonder going, what in the world have we done for the last 18 months of our life following a guy who's now dead and he's now buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea? But Jesus, he was alive. And Jesus, he always goes after those who have gone astray. Go with me to Luke's gospel, chapter 24, and you'll see this story begin to unfold. It's Luke's gospel, 24, verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus. These are the two that Jesus is going after, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they walked together of all these things, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Let me give you a promise of scripture. It's Psalm chapter 34, verse 18. God is close to the brokenhearted. He's close to the brokenhearted. These two guys are sad. And Jesus shows up on the scene. And Jesus asks them a question. What kind of conversation? Look at the response in verse 18. Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happened there in these days? need to let you know something. The death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ is just as historical as George Washington being the first president of the United States of America. Now I know there's a lot of folklore about George Washington that has been added to his name. Whether he was a person that picked cherries or not, I do not know. Whether he was part of the nursery rhymes that I learned, I do not know. But I do know, according to history, that he was the first president of the United States of America. And whether you liked him or not, you can't change the history of the fact that he was the first president of the United States of America. And whether you like Jesus or not, you cannot change the fact that he rose from the grave. And you can add a bunch of folklore to Jesus, and you can put a lot of things and attach it to Jesus. You can even attach 2,000 years of church history to Jesus, but you'll never change the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus says in verse 19, he says to them, what things? Stop there if you would. Jesus, are you serious? 
Like, how do you not know what happened in Jerusalem? You were a part of it. I mean, did the resurrection give you, excuse me, did the crucifixion give you a concussion? Like, I mean, did you forget what you went through? Now, I've had a concussion. I had a major concussion. I was surfing in Oaxaca. I went, oh, I went on a wave that I shouldn't have gone on. Let me confess that first. I go, I, I'm paddling back out. I see this wave coming for me. I go to duck dive. And if those of you who don't serve, just stay with me. The illustration, you'll get it in a moment. When I go down into this wave, I get caught by the wave. I go over the falls, about a 10-foot wave, and my board comes crashing on my head, and I get a major concussion. I get home. About three days later, I can't remember my children's names. And I'm looking at them. Now, I have nine. So it's easy to forget, okay? And sometimes when I'm mad at them, I'll just call all of their names. It's like I can't remember who you are, so I'll say, you, get over here. we got to deal with this, right? And this is how my poor kids grew up. But now that I've had this concussion, I couldn't remember. And I wonder, Jesus, did you have a concussion? No, 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 no. That's not the case of the perfected Lord. He knew. But let me tell you what we're about to read. He knew that we would need an eyewitness account of the historical fact of the resurrection from two eyewitnesses. And so what he does is ask what things. Look at their answer. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. You see, Jesus lived the powerful, sinless perfect life because he knew that none of us could do it. He knew that not one of us could be perfect, but he knew that he could. And so in the heavenlies, when God said, who can I send? Jesus said, send me. I can do it. And not only can I live the perfect life, look at their testimony and how the chief priest, verse 20, and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. Not only Will I live the sinless life? I will pay the penalty of sin. I will die because death is the penalty. I will die for the sins of people. I will pay the penalty that everyone should pay. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel and decide. Indeed, beside all this today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, And certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, there in the context of this testimony, they say he lived a sinless life. They say he paid the penalty of death by being crucified. 
They say that the women went to the tomb where he was buried for three days. And they said, our women came to us. And then other disciples went and came back and said, he's alive. That's the gospel. Plain and simple, without fanfare, lights, stages, or chairs. The gospel is that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Jesus Christ paid the price. Jesus Christ was buried for three days and Jesus Christ rose again. We're celebrating the resurrection today. Now some of you, some of you may be struggling with this. Some of you may be struggling to believe. Here, these disciples, those that follow Jesus, they're telling him, and they're still sad. And it's not that you don't believe in the resurrection. You're wondering. And you're wondering because you're disappointed with Jesus. You're wondering because you've got some dashed expectations of Jesus. Someone in the church has hurt you and this is your first time back and you're discouraged by the promises that you thought God had for you. You thought for sure you were supposed to marry that girl and she married someone else. It happened to me. Her name was Laura. I thought for sure Jesus told me, you're going to marry Laura. She married someone else. And guess what? I got Andrea. You say, you may be wondering about the resurrection simply because of your own perspective. We can all relate to where these guys are at. We've all been disappointed. We've all had dashed expectation. We've all been discouraged. And this story is our hope. Because as we see Jesus minister to them, you're going to witness a revival spring up in them because of the power of the resurrection. And a revival can spring up in your faith today because of the power of the resurrection. Look what Jesus says to them. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and entered into glory? And then he opens the word and he begins to communicate the word to them. He downloads Isaiah 53. He lets them know about Zechariah chapter 12. And their eyes are being opened. And the Bible says in verse 32, their hearts were burning. Let me tell you, that's the spirit of God working on them. That's the spirit of God moving in them. And maybe right now, this morning, your heart is burning when I gave the gospel or I said that there was hope for you. That's not me. That's not my words. It's the Spirit of God burning in you. And these guys, they listen to Jesus for two hours because that's how long it takes to walk seven miles to the, on the road to Emmaus. And then they listened to him through the night. They were hungry for the word, like you guys. You came to a six o'clock sunrise service. You're hungry. And let me tell you what's going to happen. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing of the word of God. And God wants to do something with you hearing the word of God. Don't allow the enemy to keep you from getting in it. 
Don't allow the enemy to keep you from walking in the word. Don't allow the enemy to stop you from coming to church to listen to the word of God. It's why we're saying to you, welcome home. Because we want you to hear the word of God and do not believe that the word of God has nothing for you. The word of God has everything that pertains to life and godliness, even when it comes to fishing. Let me explain. Peter's sitting in a boat, the great apostle uh, Peter. And there he is sitting in, in a boat while Jesus is sitting in the boat teaching the crowd. Peter is a captive audience, just like your cashier at Target. Where's she going? She can't go nowhere. That cashier is your opportunity. She's got to hear you give the gospel. What she can do, complain as you're buying her stuff? And there is Jesus in this boat with Peter preaching the Sermon on the Mount and he's preaching the word to Peter and Peter is hearing the word. And then Jesus, the carpenter, looks at Peter, the fisherman, and says to him, cast your net on the other side. He's already invested the word. Peter's already been listening. And now he challenges the faith that Peter's heard. And Peter says, look, Jesus, let me give you Peter vernacular. You're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. I've been out in the water all night long. I've not caught anything. Nevertheless, at your word. And let me tell you what happened to Peter. When he cast his net on the other side, he got the biggest catch of his life. And if you would choose to respond to the word of God today, I guarantee the biggest catch of your life can happen today. Jesus had made a decision. Would you go with me to verse 28? Then they drew near to the village where they were going. And he indicated that he would have gone farther, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Jesus was going to go ahead. He's testing their faith. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to go ahead. And they go, no, 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 we want you to stay with us. Don't go anywhere. Do you know we have this opportunity today? It's called the church. Maybe it's Calvary Chapel, South Bay for you. That's why we've got welcome home. Come back. It's time to come home. Because we can have the opportunity to be with the body of Christ each and every Sunday, each and every Thursday night, each and every Tuesday night or Tuesday morning with the women or Tuesday night with the men. You can have an opportunity to be with Christ. I know so many people are rejecting the church. And I want to apologize for the church if the church has offended you in any way. That's why we look to Jesus And we are the body of the Christ. And so our opportunity is to spend time together. And let me tell you what happens when the church gets together. When you're discouraged, we encourage you. When you're crying, we hug you. When you're disappointed, we inspire. And when you have dashed expectations, the body of Christ rallies around and they'll counsel you to see a different perspective. Look what happens in verse 30. It came to pass. He sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. It's amazing to me. That as Jesus broke bread with them, the very thing he told them to do to remember him, they remembered. 
And let me explain. Our acts of Jesus to the world will reveal the power of the resurrection just like this moment did for these two. So when you choose to act like Jesus and forgive someone who's wronged you, they're going to see Jesus in you. When you choose, when you choose to go the second mile, or give a random act of kindness and show up your neighbor with some banana bread. Now, if you show up with banana bread, make sure you can bake. Don't give them burnt banana bread. That is not from Jesus. You can turn the other cheek by the power of the resurrection. You can give an act of love, an act of joy, an act of peace. And when people see Jesus in you, they're going to ask some questions. And the Bible says... Verse 32, they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scripture to us? Look at verse 33. So they rose up. Church, would you stand with me for just a moment? They rose up. Look at yourselves. They rose up. Luke's not playing around. Luke is a genius. He was trained as a doctor. He knows why he uses these words. And it's why I'm asking you to stand. Because for the first moment in these two disciples' lives... They experienced the risen Lord, and in response, they rose up to witness the power of the resurrection. And though they were discouraged, though they were depressed, though they were sad walking on this road to Emmaus, the Bible says they went right back, right back to those disciples who they left that morning, and they told them, it's true, Jesus is alive. And church, I want to let you know something. And for those of you who do not know him, I want to let you know Jesus is alive. And when those two witnesses came walking back into that room, the Bible says at that moment, Jesus came walking into the room and he said this, peace be to you. And that's the same word that he has for you. And I'm going to invite Danny and the band back forward. And the word for you is peace. You see, the way that you're standing, it's a representation of the power of the resurrection that the same way that Jesus rose from the the dead, you have an opportunity to rise up as the church. And so right now, church, I want you to be in prayer. Because I believe that you brought some friends and this is where you take your elbow and go, this is why you're here. Because now he's going to give the gospel and I'm going to walk forward with you. You're not going to be alone. And I may drag you up, but I'm dragging you to eternity. That's right. That's right. I'm going to drag you to eternity because your eternity is at stake. And so Jesus said in that room, peace to you. So church, you've risen up. You be in prayer right now. Because I've got a simple message for those of you who are here who don't know Jesus Christ. He is alive. He is alive. The evidence that He is alive 
is the church that stands right now with you. You could not convince one of them that he is not alive. It's why we sing. It's why we lift our hands. And we want to offer you the peace that we found. And so right now, today, Christians are praying for you. And I'm going to ask you in just a moment to leave your seat and to come forward. Pastor Pat is going to meet you here at the... Pastor Pat's going to meet you here up front. And here's what I'm offering you. Not a church membership. We don't even have one. I'm offering eternal life. And I'm going to ask you a question. Has the world worked for you? How's it turned out? It's not the answer. It always leads to mourning and weeping. But the gospel always leads to peace. And right now, if you feel your heart burning within you, it ain't the tacos you ate last night. The Spirit of God is moving in you and He's beckoning you. Come home. Welcome home. But I also know there's a bunch of believers out there and you've come back to church for the first time because this is what you do. You come to the sunrise service. I got a message for you. There were two disciples. They were done with the church. They were done with the disciples. They were done with the whole Jesus thing. They were on their way back to Emmaus, back to their business, back to their life. Jesus didn't let them go. He always goes after the one and leaves the 99 behind. And he showed up and he ministered to them and he said, peace to you. So if you're a believer here today, And today's your Easter Sunday where you get back on track with Jesus. You be the first person to get up out of your seat because Jesus called his disciples publicly and you make a public statement this morning. I am coming back to Christ. So church, as Danny sings, you be in prayer. If you want to know the Lord Jesus Christ and know that you are saved today, would you come forward and we're going to lead you in a prayer. Let's church erupt as people come forward and give joy in the presence of God we're excited for what God has done in your heart and the Calvary Chapel South Bay amen 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 takes a lot of guts, man. (laughs) At Calvary Chapel South Bay, we believe in glorifying God together. And I want to lead you in prayer. And it's going to be my words, but I want it to be your heart. And church, because we believe in glorifying God together, I just want you to pray along with us. And let's glorify God as we celebrate what God's doing in their life. Would you pray along with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for resurrection. I believe in you. I believe you're the Son of God. 
that you died for me and rose again. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Get me back on track. Fill me with your spirit. I need you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.